1: Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision.
0: On a Thursday, we like to check in with Family Voice Australia and State Director for the State of Queensland, Andrew McColl, is back with us. Andrew, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's nice to be with you and be with our 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 listeners today. Thank you. Andrew, you've been reflecting on the Christmas story from Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 2. So it's easy to remember just the chapter 2, but Matthew and Luke. uh, But the twist centred around the context of the Christmas narrative and uh, the godly family and some of those principles uh, you're speaking into actually are very relevant for us in our present day.
1: Well, they are, Neil, because we commonly read as you're just saying quite correctly, for Matthew 2 and Luke 2 for church services. And, of course, we've got 10 days till Christmas, and there'll be lots of us who are in church on that, that Sunday morning or afternoon, or eating, whatever it might be, wherever in the world, and there'll be a, a minister reading from these these chapters. And the, the reading from Matthew 2 in chapter 2 verse 12 finishes with and having been warned by God in the dream not to return to Herod the Magi left to their own country by another way and that's commonly where many preachers stop but if they go on and I'll read verse, from verse 13 of Matthew 2 down to 18 now when they had gone behold an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said get up take the child and his mother and flee Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then, what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning Rachel weeping for her children and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. So we have this passage right at the end of what is commonly called the Christians, or the, the Christmas story and, and it's highly instructive for us today as people, generally speaking, who are part of a godly family. And let's face it, the godly family has had its challenges from government ever since... Pharaoh, what it's Sarai, but God struck his household with plagues.
0: We'll and come y- back y- to y- some y- of y- those y- Old Testament uh, connections in just a few moments. Uh, so, for sure. listeners here, we're talking about, yes, and uh, some might be thinking, I've not even heard this before, because sometimes, as you say, when you're in that Christmas service, uh, the pastor or the priest might stop short of talking about some of the issues that were going on behind the scenes. So we know that Herod was enraged when he heard that there was a king that might be a challenge to him, and in sending out the order to kill all the babies under the age of two, Uh, the, the angel appears to Joseph and says take Jesus the baby or the child and Mary and flee to Egypt. So they had fled to Egypt. In other words, refugees from the town that they were living in. So When we talk about the politics behind the scene, uh, this is not something unusual that there might be political challenges. And so you were beginning to uh, just share some Old Testament uh, references there. Uh, Take us back to some of those Old Testament references where the political challenges against the people of God have been really, really big.
1: Well, they have been, uh, and they started back in Genesis when, when, when Pharaoh wanted Sarah, or Sarah as some of us would say, but God struck his household with plagues. This is Genesis twelve seventeen, And now, and then we, we read on just a bit longer, a bit later in Genesis 20, we have a similar problem with God miraculously working on the part of Abraham again, so that he closed fast all the wounds of the, of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. So we have these kind of dark stories, really, which are not what you'd call inspirational. They're kind of a little bit scary because he's this innocent couple and they're moving around the countryside and Abraham says to his wife, well, sweetheart, we're going to go down here, but I'm not sure how you're going to get treated. So I don't want you to kind of spill the beans that you're my wife. I want you to keep that under wraps because, well, actually, you are my half-sister. So they keep the fact of their marriage quiet and, and Pharaoh decides that he wants her. Okay, well, that's looking a bit dodgy because obviously he was a bit unsure of how Pharaoh would treat him. So we find this this kind of fairly rigorous approach. That and Abraham's a bit concerned about this, so he decides to to play a dead back to, that, to this and keeps it quiet. So, but having done that, God works on his behalf, sends plagues against Pharaoh. And, uh, and then the, the next fellow, they're called Abimelech, wasn't quite as nasty as Pharaoh was threatening to be, but he's he got to of close up all the worms of that fella's household. So we see, gee, this is looking a bit, a bit um, not the sort of most inspirational piece of conversation to have on a Thursday morning, Neil, but we've got to sort of figure out some of these things. So we try and get a bit of backstory on these individuals
0: just as there's a backstory to the Christmas story as well. Okay, the backstory story here, and let's not sugarcoat this in any way because oftentimes the Christmas story is sugarcoated. Uh, the unsugarcoated story is that it was a very dangerous time in Israel at the time when Jesus the Messiah was born. And it's not unprecedented because there are lots of times throughout the history of the Old Testament where it was a very dangerous time in those pivotal points in the history of Israel. But God has miraculously worked things through. Take us into some more of these stories, Andrew.
1: Well, once we go back to the the first chapter of Exodus, we find that Pharaoh wants to kill all all the Hebrew baby boys. He's concerned about the the Hebrews are Having lots and lots of children So their population is expanding and, and he looks at this in a, in a very insecure manner And says, well, if these people keep breeding I'm going to get outnumbered This could be dangerous So he decides to instruct all the midwives To throw all the baby boys into the Nile Now, fortunately, those ladies the Bible plainly tells us they feared the Lord and they wouldn't do it. But what, what do we have here? A, a simply a pattern to kill these Hebrew baby boys from Pharaoh. Then we come to Moses' time. Pharaoh wants to kill Moses. Who wanted to kill David? Well, Saul, Israel's king. Who, who hated Elijah and sought to kill him? Ahab and Jezebel. Who, who murdered John the Baptist? Whoops, well, that was Herod. Neil, do you think there's
0: a bit of a pattern kind of showing itself here? The pattern is obvious, isn't it? Uh, That at these pivotal times in history uh, where you've got authoritarian dictatorships in charge, uh, that the people of God face some very dangerous circumstances and uh, what we're also mindful, no doubt, and where we do want to draw attention to is uh, the deliverance of God in those circumstances because uh, the Lord's people have been preserved in moments of extreme danger because God has intervened in significant ways.
1: Well, that is that is also very true. And what we know, too, is that is that we, we have to be for sort of learning from these experiences of history which are faithfully recorded in Scripture because we have to be mindful of, of what evil governments have done and what they can do to God's people if they have an opportunity. So, so if we just come up Yeah, So let
0: we, let's just bring this into the current context that we have today because it's all very well to uh, recount, uh, even as you're saying here, Andrew, uh, some of the dark stories, uh, the dark background uh, that was there in the backdrop uh, in the first century, the the birth of Jesus... Um, but how do we actually translate that into our current day? What sort of principles can we glean uh, from an understanding of what happened then to what we might anticipate today?
1: Well, what we can do, Neil, and, and our listeners, is consider our, our, our last three years in Australia. And we've encountered some, some political manipulation. Don't get vaccinated for the sake of the community. Oh, I see. We've encountered double standards from political leaders, such as the former New South Wales Premier, essentially saying, all you people go going to get a mark to put, in, put on in public, but I don't have to wear one. Oh, OK, thanks for that, uh, that uh, lesson in, in, in leadership for, you know, from the Premier down there. We've encountered, we've encountered political coercion on a huge scale. No jab, no job, and too bad if you're healthy. And so we have these state governments assuming astonishing powers over innocent people, compelling them to do things that they didn't want to do simply because there's been some COVID illness in the community. Yes, there was some, but it's a flu. Okay, it's a flu. And we have flu all the time in Australia we're, and, and most commonly we will lose two or three thousand people to flu every year, over twenty five million people. But we've had we've had all sorts of things going on there in these years. We've encountered information suppression. We've encountered the chief the Queensland chief medical officer, now the Queensland governor, who refused to advocate the use of either or hydroxychloroquine, let alone vitamin C or D, when there was abundant evidence that these could all assist COVID patients. So
0: now we've got some unanswered questions, and in my opinion, we need a Royal Commission. And that's not the only dimension, but we'll come back to uh, the, uh, the need for a Royal Commission, but it's not the only dimension, is it? You've just described a whole lot of things where we have begun to recognise what authoritarian governments can do on a national scale. And it's not just around the COVID issue. There's all sorts of things happening around sex and gender and uh, conversion therapies and all sorts of things like that that are, in fact, criminalising Christians. But come back to the COVID issue here, because uh, when you say we need a royal commission, um, what are are your thoughts around the real necessity for that?
1: Well, we have to ask ourselves a question. Has there been corruption with, with COVID? I mean, who profits from vaccines being mandated? Well, frankly, drug companies do profit because they get large proportions of people, and and we're talking about hundreds of millions of people worldwide who will now need a vaccine if it's going to be mandated for those countries. So it's very appealing, Neil, for a drug company to get a massive contract that will apply to tens of millions of people at so many dollars per shot. Hey, that's that's going to be very appealing financially. And we have to ask ourselves, well how does all this what do I mean, Andrew, in terms of 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 of, of, of corruption? Well there's been one doctor who works for or has been working for the US government by the name Mr Dr. Tani Fauci. And Dr. Fauci has been responsible for some of these issues, and for which companies uh, get contracts. So he's just finished his employment, or he's finishing it almost. I think this 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 month. And people have asked him, "Oh, Tony, you gave this piece of advice here, and you gave piece piece of advice then." And this is a man who's been on uh, around about four hundred thousand dollars US. A year, and when they've asked him some of these fairly leading questions, it seems to be have difficulty recalling those those matters. It seems to be something that's just gone from his memory. So, okay, well we all have memory problems from time to time, but then we have an Australian PM who decides to indemnify drug companies that were producing vaccines. Well, why would our PM do that? And why would that same PM give tax breaks to certain media outlets that published material that suited his narrative? And, and, and is it possible that someone's got an agenda that they're actually wanting to dump on us here in Australia?
0: Well, those sorts of things, when you raise them, uh, they certainly are concerns. And, uh, you know, put them all together in just a short burst like you did uh, brings back a lot of memories uh, and a lot of hurt for a lot of individuals who might even be listening to our conversation today. So out of the Christmas story, the narrative from the first century, uh, Herod and uh, his slaughter of the innocents, the flight of of Joseph and Mary and Jesus to Egypt and their eventual return. What are the sorts of things we could conclude uh, about how we can, uh, you know, cement some ideas from a biblical narrative about how we look at and how we have an expectation on God, even for his deliverance, uh, through some of the challenging, challenging times that government brings to families and to Christian believers? Well, fortunately,
1: you know, there are these kind of parallels in history to things that happen today sometimes. And we have this case of this delightful little family uh, turning up. They have, they have the, I mean, what, what a circumstance. There's no midwife that we know of. We don't know whether it was a difficult birth. We don't know whether there was a, a comfortable place to sit down or lie down. We don't know anything about the birth other than the fact that Jesus was born. But what we do know is this. After the event, and after the, the 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 wise men have all gone, God showed Joseph what to do, and Jesus and, and, and Mary in the same way that he in the in, in earlier times protected Abraham and others from from governments. And we can trust him to do the same with us, and and so drawing on that parallel, and especially the second part of of, this, of the Gospel of Matthew chapter two, we can enjoy the Christmas holidays. Family times, the balloon, the gifts, while remembering to take note of the warnings of Matthew 2 because the godly family still has its predators and it still needs our protection.
0: Well, good insights and food for thought uh, for listeners. And you might want to read uh, the entirety of Matthew chapter 2 to refresh. Uh, some of the detail that comes beyond what ordinarily is read in church on Christmas Day. Uh, So you can find that easily, Matthew chapter 2, the narrative also in Luke chapter 2. But uh, always good insights, Andrew McColl. Andrew is the State Director for the State of Queensland for Family Voice Australia. And you can connect with Andrew through the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. That's familyvoice.org.au. And, Andrew, our last update for the year. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, stepping into the breach and being a spokesperson for Family Voice Australia. You've brought some tremendous insight on a whole lot of different levels. And I want to appreciate you very much and uh, wishing you a happy and holy Christmas for you and your family.
1: Thank you, Neil. Nice talking to you once again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.